The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Our guest now, Stephen Blitz, is Chief U.S. Economist T.S. Lombard, joining us from New York. So we saw the August U.S. jobs report have some hints of this long-awaited increase in labor supply. If we do see that trend continue, does that bolster the case for slower tightening from the Fed? No, not at all. Uh, in fact, when you look at the, the data underneath, you see um, really a sense of... Uh, Firms having to continue to pay up to pull supply. So no, I don't. I, you know, it's not so much about the growth in, 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 in employment. And listen, a hundred thousand is neutral. So when you're adding a hundred, three hundred thousand, you're still in the top twenty-five percent in terms of uh, numbers and adding, and you're well into the cycle at this point. So no, labor demand is still very strong. And on top of that, on a broader macro sense. You've got falling energy prices here in the U.S. in terms of gasoline prices, and we'll see uh, upcoming CPI, but you're getting some weakening prices, still strong nominal wage growth, still strong job growth, and that's going to reset this expansion after the deceleration in the first half of the year to reaccelerate. So what does it mean then in terms of what we see from the Fed and, of course, the ongoing pain that we're seeing in the bond market? Well, I think I don't think they're too particularly concerned about the pain in the bond market or the stock market at this point, and I think they are ready to inflict pain on the broad economy, and that means they're going to keep raising rates. I think they'll do 75 basis points in September. Uh, obviously, we'll see what happens, you know, for the next two meetings to follow before the year is over. Uh, but I'm still thinking about four, four and a quarter uh, by year end, and I think, by the way, that. It's that will be enough in conjunction with with the negative impact on the equity market to get a recession going sometime in the fourth quarter or perhaps the first uh, first quarter of next year. And how deep do you think that recession could be? Well, I don't think I mean, look, it's deep if you're the one that's unemployed. Right. (laughs) So we always have to keep that part in mind. Uh, I think the unemployment rate gets around five and a half, six percent. I think people can be surprised. Uh, how high it gets and how quickly. But I think more than that is the Fed's promise to keep uh, real interest rates restrictive to, uh, so that the rebound in the – so it's not so much the recession that will be weak, but the rebound from the, uh, from the recession, that recovery will be weak and unemployment will stay high. And that's where the political pressure really starts to come in. Um, I, this is the game that they're talking I think they'll bail uh, when they start seeing that and seeing that pain to get back to a number of 2%, which, honestly, nobody really knows whether 2% is the right number. And there's nothing in the Fed mandate that says 2%. It just says stable inflation. Uh, So is 3% the better number if that means that there's more people working and all that? 
could very well be. But for the moment, we'll have to take the Fed at its word. Stephen, you make some really interesting points in the notes that you supplied to us about age uh, in in the workforce and and the difference in terms of what we're seeing uh, with regards to generations. What what have we kind of learned from COVID and and the work from home mentality, the quiet quitting, people not wanting to come back or those that indeed do want to be back in the office? Yeah, I mean, look, it it has absolutely disrupted the... um, the supply of labor in the United States. It, we went into COVID with the disruption of the supply because of the whole H-1B visa and the ability to bring workers uh, for firms to import workers into professional jobs in the United States. So that cut off supply. On top of that, uh, the Gen Z generation, which was born in the mid-1990s, is just now beginning to enter the workforce, and that's a smaller generation than the millennials. When you go to the long end, of the in terms of the, or the older end, uh, where you see the real drop off in labor participation is in the 55 and over and the 65 and over group, and they're not coming back. Uh, and then you have this long COVID issue that you're bringing up, and the people who are still sick and they can't come back to work, and also people who, uh, between also, I don't want to be morbid here, but between people who have died mm. as well as people with long COVID, they can't do the child care for people that allow people to go back to work. And we don't really have numbers. And admittedly, this is an anecdotal part of it. Everything else I said to you before was not, but this is sort of anecdotal. But how many single single earner households do we now have because the other family member has to work at home, can't go to the office because that family caretaker has either unfortunately passed away or is physically unable to do the job. So as you say, the underlying supply demand imbalance. When it, when we take this back to the Fed and what we're expecting from them, you say 4% funds rate by December, but you also say J-PAL is not Paul Volcker. Just explain a little bit more there. Well, yeah, because Paul Volcker, you know, he raised, he got the funds rate where he needed to get it to, and more importantly, he kept it that high. But in the other sense that where. He doesn't have, he, Powell doesn't have the advantages that Volcker has, is that you don't have domestically the political will um, to sustain high levels of unemployment in order to beat back inflation. And that's, 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 that's a problem that Powell's going to face. He doesn't face it at the moment. But once unemployment starts to rise, it is a problem he's going to face. The other thing is that Volcker had, as a tailwind to what he was doing, was the liberalization of trade around the world. And you had that through the 80s and then into the 90s, and you added in Russia, Eastern Europe, and China. And these were all disinflationary, deflationary events. You don't have that now. In fact, the global situation is moving in the other direction. Hmm. So the question is, how much are you willing, against this backdrop, are you willing to be able to keep real interest rates that high and the unemployment rate consequently that high, and Powell does not have the uh, ability to push back, maybe, and perhaps even not the will, to push back against the uh, political and social yeah. forces that are going to ask him to cut rates and not be mm. quite so draconian. But that's, Steve, that's a 2023 story. Yeah, I'm sorry. Stephen, just yeah. finally and, and quite quickly, I mean, we're seeing this more than 3% drop in Euro stocks, 50 futures on this energy crisis worsening in Europe. How much of a, a broad concern is this to the global economy? Well, it is. But, you know, it's, it's 
the thing is, for you know, they are a net exporter, Europe, and China's a net exporter, and the United States is a net importer. So it hurts Europe, but it really, it, the knock-on impact on the United States isn't that great because it's, it's worse for Europe if we slow down than if they slow down because they're very much dependent upon their surplus around the world. It, but having said that, it does have an effect. You know, no country is an island, so to speak. And, uh, you know, that slowdown in Europe and that slowdown in China uh, Mm. will ultimately slow the global economy. Uh, Not a soft landing in the U.S., but a slower economy. All right. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Stephen Blitz, Chief U.S. Economist at T.S. Lombard on the line. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.